cops say, call the fire department. He woke up. The bedroom was very still, as if someone had just stopped screaming. The bottom sheet on his side was damp with his sweat. Peg had rolled over to her side of the bed and had taken the top sheet with her. He listened to her breathe for a while and then propped himself up on an elbow. The luminescent blue readout on the clock radio said 2.25 a.m. In the next room, Jamie whimpered in his sleep. Mike rolled out of bed to get his son a drink of water. The clock read 5.33 when he finally decided it was useless trying to sleep any more that night. He got up and put on a white shirt, jeans, white socks, and his gray 1995 Nikes. He stuffed one of the ridiculous black bow ties into his shirt pocket and went down to make breakfast. You're up early this morning. Peg came up behind him while he was reading the baseball scores. Couldn't sleep. It's that spicy food? She poured herself a cup of coffee and sat down across the kitchen table from him. I told you not to put too much red pepper in the chili. She picked up the comic section. Mike grunted unhappily. Upstairs, he could hear Jamie talking to himself about superheroes in imitation adult voices. Want to hear your horoscope? He didn't answer. Remember that the way to achieve your secret ambitions is by planning. Start tonight. A relative has a message for you. Would you stop already? He pushed away from the table. It's goddamn voodoo. I don't want Jamie hearing that crap. You had a bad night, huh? She was sympathetic now. Too late to do him any good. Have to go. He clipped the bow tie to his collar. See you tonight. They kissed. I love you, Grouch, she said. Secret ambitions. He had given up secret ambitions. He was 39 years old and knew better. Mike was a high school biology teacher with a master's degree in education from state. He was at the top of the wage scale and, through creative scrimping, had never missed a mortgage payment or a visa installment. He loved his wife, and his kid was happy, and they lived year-round on a lake that tourists drove hours to visit. He had locked himself in and thrown away the key. Not that he didn't have ambitions, but they were modest and not all that secret. He wanted to win the master's division in a 10K race someday, and hoped to be able to afford a boat trip through the Grand Canyon before he died. He wanted Jamie to go to MIT and maybe go into research, but he was realistic about what parents could expect from their children. Duffy was the one with ambitions. He seethed with ambition. He read too many books and wanted it understood that he had no intention of spending the rest of his life as manager of the four-aisle grocery his grandfather had founded. He was always telling Mike that they were living lives of quiet desperation, the two of them. Mike was always reminding Duffy that Thoreau was a troublemaking asshole who couldn't hold a steady job. It was Duffy who had given him the summer job at Masters. Mike mostly worked the little groceries, meat, and produce counters, and stocked shelves. 
but he didn't mind bagging when things got hectic up front. It wasn't a bad way to spend the summer, although Peg said his hands smelled like chicken parts, and he didn't much care for cleaning under the freezers or smiling at idiot customers and wise-ass kids. Still, he averaged around $4,000 for three months' work, and that was the difference between living right on the lake and suffering back in the hills with the mosquitoes. If he had to listen to old Mrs. Matijic complain about teachers' salaries, he also got to be with Duffy. Even though Duffy was wrong at least half the time, he was Mike's best friend and had been since they had run together on the mile relay team that still held the state schoolboy record. While they were in the back room, stripping the gummy outer layers from a case of iceberg lettuce that had sat too long in the cooler, Mike...